Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Welcome. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? So if you're new to our environment, you're going to know that this is a... our Panama City School of Ministry weekend. And we have about a little over a hundred and something down in Panama City. Just going after Jesus right now. I think Dan Weber should be preaching in about an hour down there. And they just had all the school ministry students just, just going after it. So, um, but we're excited to be with you guys today. This is going to be a beautiful, a beautiful day. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue uh, talking about, I, I spoke two weeks ago, and we want to we want to continue a, a continuation of what I talked about then. So, um, let's pray. Holy Spirit, there's nothing more that we want to do than encounter your presence every moment of every day. We just thank you that we are not called as a people just to receive this beautiful message of the gospel and then to live a humdrum, boring life. But there's an awakening in our hearts when we get intimately connected with you, God. And I just pray for just an increase this morning. I just pray an increase of of just our experience with you, our experience with one another, and our experience with seeing cities come under the power of the gospel of the kingdom. And we just feel excited to be together. We just count it a privilege that we have the freedom to show up on a Sunday and and worship and gather together in unity to praise you and to give you honor and glory. And we pray that that doesn't only happen in this moment, but every moment of our lives would just be an offering, a sacrifice of glory to you. And so we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, Summer, I have a, I have a word for you. When, when we were in worship... I, I felt like there was this sense of, of heaven kind of standing bef- um, behind you, pushing you forward. And I just heard him say, uh, you have a beautiful message for those that are around you, for everybody that you come in contact with. And I feel like you are a picture of somebody who lives a life just um, loving the gospel, loving Jesus, that your first love, you have done what it says in Revelation, that you have just kept your first love at the center of your life, which is Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. And, and I saw heaven backing you, and, and I, I felt like the Lord said that um, he wants you to know that you're 
a leader, that there's people that have been um, wounded and hurt and, and they're kind of off to the wayside and there's a message that you have. Again, the gospel simply means good news, but you just have some good news for people just to return to their first love. And I feel like you're carrying something not just for um, your friends, but it's a generational thing. I think it's something you pray into. I think it's something you steward in your own personal heart and mind and, and heaven's just behind you. Heaven is backing you in just what the, the Father has given you. So we just bless that. We just bless you, Summer. We just bless you, Summer. So Mike mentioned it while we were, while he was doing uh, just the communion this morning. In our prayer time as a staff, I, I, I saw the Holy Spirit go into people's brains. And I, I love our brain because our, our brains are something that, um, that God has um, made to, to regenerate, to recreate, meaning to when it's been damaged, it actually can become undamaged. And that's mostly under, un, under time and things like that. But what I saw the Holy Spirit show up to people's brains um, especially when it comes to things like uh, trauma and uh, abuse. And, and what I heard the Father say is, um, I'm restoring people that have lived in flight, um, fight and freeze. People that live in this state of, of whether it's a, 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 a long-standing emotional abuse or things that you experienced as a child. And what that does is that causes our chemicals to come out of whack. And I saw the Lord actually restoring your chemicals today. I felt like there was a release of chemicals where your chemicals become balanced and you realize there's a different choice between fight, flight, and freeze. And you're safe because you're in the arms of the one that you love. You're in the arms of the abiding presence of Holy Spirit with you. And I, I literally saw some of you going back to uh, the doctors and been to psychiatrists, which I bless. I love psychiatry. I love it all because there's no such thing. There, there's only a perversion for what the original version would be. And so there's, we just bless that, that field. But I saw you going back to a psychiatrist and them saying that there's nothing wrong with you anymore and I don't understand what happened. Because when we got these tests or these different things, that there was this, uh, this point. So if that's you, what I would love you guys to do is put your, uh, close your eyes real quick. And just to, to honor just safety in here, um, if that resonated with your heart, and some of you maybe you've never received any tests, but you just feel this, uh, this um, out of balance, I just want you to, again, everybody's eyes closed in here, I just want you to put your hands up because I'm just going to release the peace of heaven over you right now. So Father God, we just thank you for peace, the alignment of body, mind, soul, and spirit that changes everything. And just you coming to our brains today and releasing healing. We just thank you that you are taking what was out of balance and you're bringing it back into balance and safety. I just wanna say as a father of this house, you are safe. You are safe. You are safe to receive a miracle and you're safe to heal. And so we just thank you for what you're doing with brains today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we love you guys. We just appreciate everybody and your vulnerability. So 
I really just want to continue talking about what we talked about two weeks ago. So this time to help you guys more than myself, I brought this lovely PowerPoint or keynote. So because sometimes Justin Stockman likes to speak in fragmented sentences. I just go all over the place because I get so excited. And it's kind of like connect the dots and I don't want to lose people today. So this will hopefully you'll be able to follow the dots along. So... We talked a little bit, I'm just going to do a brief overview. We talked a little bit about the mission of the church. And the simple mission of the church is to bring the gospel. Because you remember in Genesis 3, there was the fall of mankind. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. And so within the gospel, again, gospel means to proclaim good news. It's not like the news we have nowadays bunch of fake news, real, what are we just all confusing, it's all polar opposites of one another, everything's just all in chaos. This is actually the proclamation of the greatest news that mankind could ever hear, which is Jesus is here to save you. Jesus is here to restore, to bring sozo to every part of you, which simply means, um, sozo means saved, delivered, and healed. And so this is the message, that this is the mission we're all called to bring the gospel. And the second thing we're called to do is to, to bring the kingdom, to see the kingdom of heaven be established here on this earth. And the kingdom looks um, like many different things. And, and what I want to do is talk about the, uh, the original, the origin, which comes from Genesis and I, I want to just kind of take you on a journey with that. So we, we talked about these five different elements, which is identity, work, rest, human connection, and sexuality. And, and I do want to say this. Uh, if you have a child in here, and they're maybe under 10, if you would like them to not be in here, we are going to talk about sex and sexuality. So I don't want anybody to be nervous. Um, at the same time, where we're at in our cultural history, if your child is under six, they've most likely heard about this already. When it comes to TV, friendship, um, school, anything like this, but I do want to respect, I believe it's the church and the parent's job to walk behind children to talk to them about this most beautiful subject. And, and God wasn't silent on this subject, so I do respect and I think it's beautiful um, for you as parents to reserve the right just to do that, but guess what? It's the, the part of the church's job is to come alongside and disciple because Jesus um, and God were not silent about the subject in his book. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't talk to your children about this subject, somebody else will. And it's happening at younger ages than ever before in history. And so that's where we're at. <clears throat> so we, we talked about these five different elements, and I really stayed on the topic of work. And, and I, I love that topic because our work is simply our worship. It's our acceptable worship. What you do, the creativity that comes out of you is worship. And, and that can be what you do to get paid. 
um, but also it's just the life lived um, before God being creative like your heavenly father is creative. And you are all creative. Um, there's a lie that we begin to believe as young people um, when we hit about... Uh, the junior high age era, we start to think we're not creative anymore because things like, oh, I can't draw, I can't whatever. And then we go looking for that one niche and we lay a bunch of things aside that I don't believe we were ever supposed to lay aside. And you are all creative because our father, our heavenly father is creative and he started out Genesis talking about being creative and he, who he is. And so... Um, we're not going to talk much about rest today, but rest is a very, very, very important topic, especially in where we're at today as a culture, because as Americans, we are addicted to hurry. We're addicted to producing. And again, how I started this um, talk was saying that the mission, the what you do the, the, the do of your life is to bring the gospel of the kingdom. And so we love doing, but we always know that, that being comes before doing. And so today I really want to highlight uh, identity, human connection, and sexuality. And just to finish up rested, I love the topic of rest because it's so important learning how to deal. You know, when, you're, when your brain, when you go to sleep, your brain actually detoxes. It flushes. That's why sleep is so important. It's such a big deal for you as a human to get between seven and eight hours of sleep. It's actually core to your humanity to learn how to rest. And so rest looks like so much more than that. It looks like enjoyment. It looks like family. It looks like God. When he rested in Genesis 2, it says that he reflected on the beauty of his creation. A day to actually reflect. Do you know that we're constantly in this state of perpetually getting more information, trying to search after more knowledge, when one of the greatest things you can do in your rest is reflect on what the Father's already said? Just actually to sit in it. Wow. He said a lot. And in the context of time, God blessed us with time. And in the context of time, every seven days, you are supposed to go into this state of Sabbath or rest. And the Bible is very, very clear on these cycles that we're supposed to live in because of the way um, God made you as a human. And it's so helpful to know that I'm not a human doing, I am a human being. So me learning how to rest is so key. But what I really want to go after is identity, human connection, and sexuality. So, you guys okay? Maybe. All right. <clears throat> identity. So, in Genesis, and... and to build a framework for you, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 are the original origin of, of life, of humanity. And uh, prior to Genesis 3, prior to the fall, when Eve and Adam ate of the, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, they ate that fruit. This is kind of, if you will, a picture of our heavenly design, of heaven. And, and these five principles that I, I just brought to you were all pre-fall. 
So they're all pre-fall concepts that the Lord has given us to, um, to grow and flourish. This is actually how you grow in health. And if, if your mandate as a human is to grow from glory to glory each day, that's the beauty of time is actually there's more today than there was yesterday for you. And it is the beauty of also eternity because in eternity you will still be growing. There will not be the same effects of sin anymore because there'll be the restoration of all things, but you will continue to grow because you're around somebody, Father God and Holy Spirit, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're around somebody that as you see him, every moment you will be growing into his likeness and his image. That's why heaven doesn't get boring because there's just always more. Just the enjoyment of his presence is just so beautiful. So within identity, we have this uh, beautiful picture of being image bearers. We're all, all of humanity is created in the image and likeness of God. So again, we're gonna be in Genesis. So if you wanna turn to Genesis one and two, we'll be flipping back and forth there. <clears throat> so in Genesis 1:26 it says this. And then God said, "Let us make man in our image." I love the Trinity shows up right here in our image. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in existence um, before the foundation of time, they have always been in perfect unity, perfect bonding, perfect connection together. And they said, hey, this connection is too good to just be left between us three. Let's invite all of ma mankind into this. Let's create humans. And so they ended up creating us in his likeness. Um, and so it says here in verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So it starts out by saying you are image bearers. And I love... Um, the, that word image can be translated um, idol or statue. Now, I love first mentions in the Bible because the first time this is mentioned is actually talking about a healthy idol. It's actually giving you an identity. It's giving you a purpose that you all of mankind was created in God's image and in God's likeness. To, to, to make it like a statue, I love the statue of David, these kind of things, something that we create, but in God's creation, you are created, all of mankind is created in his image, our image bearers, which is very, very important. And then the very next uh, concept here is is what I just read, and it says to have dominion um, in verse uh, 20, um, 26. And then also it goes down 
um, after what I just um, read, verse 26 and verse 27, it says, so God created them, man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. Those two words, dominion, or to subdue, are, can be translated to rule or to reign. It is the first time in scripture that God points out your royal identity. That all of us have this, uh, this knack to wanna be a prince or princess. All of us want to be kings and queens. It's built into your, the fabric of our society, into your DNA that you want to rule and reign. The, the beauty is, is what does actually ruling and reigning mean? And we're going to end with that today because we have a concept around here which is reigning in life. And it's a beautiful concept, but I would love to bring some, some banks, some foundation to what we actually mean by that concept. And so again, it says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. This is your original call was Adam um, and Eve were called to tame the garden. The garden in itself, in imperfection, it needed to be ruled over. It needed to be tamed. It means it needed gardeners to come in and actually do something to this place. And I think, uh, for me at least, I always had a picture of the Garden in Eden, once he created it, that it was like perfectly manicured and perfect. But actually, Adam's job was to take what God created and tame it, subdue it, rule over it. And it's very important because it takes us on a journey to where we are going. And this is part of your identity to rule and to reign. Say, I'm okay. So last time you guys got the spitfire, Justin, just stand up here and watch me burn, and I just burning if you were here for two weeks ago. This is more of the teacher, Justin. So I have split personalities. No, I'm just joking. We got healed of that a little bit ago. So in this, um, we, we love to see what, what, what our identity, our original, who you are. All mankind is meant to rule and reign. But then the fall came in and everything got out of whack, right? Sin entered and took everything that was perfect in its original design and original version and it brought in the perversion or the counterfeit. That's what sin does is it brings forth a counterfeit. And I don't know about you, but I want the real stuff. I want the real deal. I want the real presence. I want the raw presence of God. So the, the next thing that is super beautiful that we begin to see here is, is he, God says something that seems very curious to me. And he says this in Genesis 2, verse 18, then the Lord God said it, um, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone I will make a helper fit for him. So this is, so Adam's there in perfect relationship with God. And the Lord shows up and Jesus, God, the King of glory shows up and says, hmm, 
they're alone. He's alone. He is in need. And what I love that this first mention does is it gets us out of the hyper-spiritual Christian experience that says dumb things like, it's just me and God against the whole world. No, no, it's just not a true statement, guys. It's you, God, and the family of God. Somehow, even in our culture, we're under this like, it's all about self. It's all about self-realization. Everything is about pointing back to self. No, 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 no. God has pointed us to a real revelation, which is about family. This is all about family. It's not just about what you think, you feel, you need, you, you, you. This kingdom is about an us. It's about a we. It's about a family. And right now in our culture, there's been a creation, a delusion among so many of us that uh, it's all about me. No, it's about a we. It's about an us. And in this, and what's happened in our me culture, in our self culture, is it's created an increase of loneliness, not an increase of connectivity or bonding, but actually an increase of loneliness. Some people say that the generations that are alive are some of the loneliest generations to ever be a part on the planet, which is so fascinating to me. But even God in the garden says it's not good for them to be alone. It's not just you and God, guys. It's you, God, and your friends, your family, your spouse, your, the world. The world is looking for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And so human connection, God is highlighting here in the garden saying human connection matters. How many introverts do we have in here? I'm like an in-between introvert, extrovert. The older I get, the more introverted I get. <laughs> and... We do need time to fill up. We need time to reflect. We do need time to ask healthy soul questions. But in that, our, our, our goal needs to be connectedness, needs to be camaraderie between one another. Iron sharpens iron. And so here, what he says is he ends up sending Adam a helper. And this word helper is awesome. So this word helper is, is, is then woman, so which, is, which comes out of the side of man, next to man, not behind, not in front, but to the side. And what I love about this word helper is in Exodus 18, um, it says in verse 4, it's talking about uh, and I'm going to botch his name, Eleazar, I think is his name. And, and what the name actually means is for he said, the God of my father was my helper. He's actually putting the name back to God in this context in, in Hebrew. But then when it moves forward, which I love this, in, John, in, in 1 John 2, it talks about Jesus and it uses the word advocate and it says, my little children, I am writing to you these things um, 
so that you may not sin. But if anyone, anyone does sin, we have an advocate. That word advocate could be translated as helper um, with the Father and Lord Jesus Christ um, uh, of all righteousness. So in that, what it's saying is putting these two word pictures of Father God and Jesus being our helpers, this side-by-side -side relationship, which should blow your mind, guys. And then it goes into... Um, in, in John 14 through 16, it, it constantly references the Holy Spirit as our helper, this side-by-side -side relationship with God, which is so humbling that the creator of all glory wants to come alongside you to be your helper. Oh, man, that just blows me away. And so in John, um, what it says, it says this, and I'll just read through these really quick. I will... Um, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, the helper, to be with you forever. 1 John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I say to you. I love that the helper comes alongside as a guide. Do you guys realize we're in a generation that, that talks about self so much, we've lost the fabric of family, which looks like discipleship. The Holy Spirit, I don't want my rightness, I don't want my thought process being the foundation of reason. That's a scary place to be, guys. The foundation of reason, of thought, of wisdom comes from this king of glory that we all just came together and worshiped. And so this discipleship, this side-by-side -side, um, that the Holy Spirit, he wants to come and bring, bring truth to you. He wants to teach you. He wants to lovingly convict you, which is beautiful. That's how you know you're being discipled, is you could actually come under conviction without going into condemnation or without going into the other perversion, which is I don't need anybody to tell me anything. They're both two extremes that the world is being fed right now, and we want to come into a place of family, of discipleship, of being able to be told, hey, that's off, because we have a plumb line in Jesus. We have a plumb line in the Word of God. And so then, you know, this one just blows me away, blows me away. John 16, 7, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Um, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is saying, it's better that I go away. You guys remember this in John 16. So Jesus is telling the disciples, it's better that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come. What he's actually giving us in this moment is Jesus saying, I'm a human just like, I'm a human, I am God, but I'm a human. And so I'm only one place at one time. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave so that all of believers can have the beauty of the Holy Spirit living inside them. The abiding presence of God, which is then re referenced in John 17, which is this family, this interwoven connection unit, these um, interdependent um, beings and, peep and humans that now are together for eternity. And our mission, again, is to bring the gospel in the kingdom. But this is how it looks. So this word helper. And then I, I just described a little bit of what the family looks like. So let's read on. 
in Genesis 2.19. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to um, the man to see what he would name them. Again, this is part of his job, is naming the animals. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave the, the, the names to the, all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to the beasts of the fields. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. Again, that same word, helper, fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he um, slept... Uh, he took one of his ribs and closed it up um, and placed um, um, flesh on it. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought um, her to the man. Then the man said, this, this at least is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And so I, I love this again. It's this co-laboring. He took the rib, which, which signifies the side, this next to one another, which is such a beautiful picture, which then starts the first family. And I, I love when we're looking at God because God is obviously outside of time and he, 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 he created something that was complete so this circle here represents a completeness um, within the fabric of, of, of um, earth that he created for us. What looks things like, like the law of gravity, different things that God created that we are actually called to live um, inside of. Like you're called to live inside of time, guys. None of you are void or, or live outside of time. Time is actually very important. That's why I referenced uh, the thing about rest, resting within a seven-day week period. So in this, there was perfect um, communion between um, God and human, uh, between God and Adam. There was this perfect connection. And then um, God says it's not good for him to be alone because God wanted to create family, which Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were already creating um, in themselves perfect family. And so we have humans on, on, on each side. We have Adam and Eve. They completed each other. They complemented each other. I love that male and female are complementary of one another. They are not the same. They are distinct. Can I say that again? Male and female are complementary. Women be women. Men be men. It's beautiful. It's actually the original identity or design of the Father to create this We're not, distinction. We're not complete. I am not complete in myself. And this is why we need woman, which actually then created family from out of man and woman came offspring or children. So he says they're not good to be alone, but then we have this in our society. There it is. Our new idol. Everybody hold up your idol. I love, how many of you guys, you know, I just referenced that we are one of the, that they say um, statistically that we are one of the most lonely societies now, and I, and I don't believe that if you're in the kingdom that you're experiencing that. 
Um, but this is one of the reasons. How many of you guys have seen those photos of pictures, like uh, the, the couple, the husband and wife laying next to each other, but the phone is actually out of the picture, and so they're just looking at their hands? And there's no connection, even though they're sleeping next to one another. Rather than looking at a phone, they edited the phone out, and they, they're, they're connected. I mean, pardon me, they're disconnected. And we've, we've realized, I mean, this is why there's just an epidemic when it comes to loneliness. And guys, you have the answer for loneliness. It starts here, connection here, and then it goes here. We have this ability to create um, freedom to a generation, to bring freedom that looks like connectedness and bonding one to another. So within the context of sexuality, I already talked a lot about male and female. The second is to be fruitful and multiply, which means for a man and a woman to have sex and produce children. That's what it means. Sexuality, guys, like sex right now is just the world. Where we're at right now is a little cray-cray. It's a little crazy. And the challenge is, is if we get up here and just talk about what we're against, it's going to be a big problem. Let's talk about what we're for. I'm for husbands and wives having the greatest sexual re relationships. I mean, if this thing's supposed to go from glory to glory, all I know is we're supposed to have better sex than our grandparents and our moms and dads. This is actually what's supposed to happen in the context of marriage, in the context of completion, which is covenant, God created this stuff for us to be in covenant, um, woven together. Sex is one of the most uh, um, bonding um, experiences. It's one of the most spiritual experiences. And when it's void of God, it just creates a deeper loneliness a deeper longing, it rips our souls in half and creates fractures within us. But we have a message, we have the gospel of the kingdom that the Lord wants to restore all that was lost. That your past um, gets forgiven and you actually get a restoration of all good things because of the connection we have to this father. And it, we, this is why we need a healthy environment where moms and dads aren't afraid to talk about this subject of sex because the world is discipling our children on purpose right now. Our school systems are discipling our kids and the church is, a, is waking up and saying, wait, 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 wait. We are actually called as leaders, as fathers and mothers, to lead a healthy revolution when it comes to healthy sexuality and sex. And as a, as a counselor for many, many years, one of my greatest heartbreaks was sitting with Christian couple after Christian couple, and it's the greatest place they had disconnection in because they didn't know how to, to bond. They didn't know how to experience intimacy, this naked and unashamed experience one to another. And this is 
the reason why oneness, and we're going to read this, Genesis 2.24. And it says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. I'm ready for a restoration within healthy married couples of naked and unashamed. And this is the beauty of the cross, the beauty of restoration, the beauty of uh, when we experience oneness, and I'll just say that from now on instead of the S word. So our, our experience of oneness uh, is a spiritual experience. And the challenge is, is so many of us are afraid to be discipled. That's why people come see me because they're afraid to be discipled. They're afraid, they say, who can I have a conversation with regarding this topic that has tormented me since I was 12 years old? But it becomes not tormenting when we have family, we have healthy moms and dads stand up and say, I'm not afraid of this topic. I have no shame, I actually get to show up to it in a healthy way. I get to show up and say the things I've been forgiven in, but then also the restoration of where I'm at now. And the thing is, if you're not restored now, no matter where you're at, my wife wrote an excellent book on this called The War in Your Voice, which if you haven't got it, go get it, which is about an abusive past and the restoration of what God did as she found her voice. And one of the greatest topics was around sex and sexuality. Oops, oneness. Forgot the S word. We're not supposed to say that a lot. But this is a, it's a, it's a big deal, guys. And the world, like I said, is proactive, proactively discipling your kids right now. Like they're, they're, there's billions of dollars going into the discipleship of your children. And we are called as moms and dads. This, this is why, if this is a family affair, guys. Did you know the book of the Song of Solomon used to be read in Jewish traditions? It'd be read in front of everybody. Have you ever read that book? Your kids would have to leave. Wait, their kids were there. When they showed up to weddings and the sheets were flung over, the kids would actually come and ask questions. What's the blood on the sheet for, Dad? What happened between the husband and wife? They get in a fight? No, now we get to have a conversation. This is when they're young, guys. Everybody asks me all the time, when's a good age to talk about oneness? Now. It's a big deal, guys, and I'm not here to create shame for those who've never talked about it. I'm here to actually disciple you as a father in this place, because where the generations are at now is not, it doesn't look like heaven in this area. And I'm ready for a heaven to show up in this area because the fruit of this is beautiful. The fruit of this is healthy discipleship. Are you guys okay? Beautiful. All right. Jesus, we release grace over that topic. Just grace. We thank you that you want an open heaven over sexuality. 
that we don't want to be crass or crude or just talk about it like it's no big deal. Oh, it's a really big deal. But we're not going to be afraid anymore of this topic. And I just released peace over parents right now, peace over even spiritual moms and dads, even maybe ones that, that have been celibate their whole life and have never actually experienced um, sex. But you would just release wisdom because, Father, you gave a beautiful book with lots of wisdom in there. All right, and we're going to end with this. Reigning in life. So I, I talked about at the beginning, in our identity is this thing about ruling and reigning, cultivating. And again, it's a look, it's a, it's a form of family discipleship. It's a form of, of taking our work and bringing it to the, 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 the creator of the, the universe and saying, this is my good and acceptable worship to you. It's taking our human connections to the next level. But this all is from this one place. And everybody go, this is, this is the verse. This is, our, this is one of our um, biggest core values here at Bethel Atlanta, which is in Romans 5.17. And we're going to end here. <clears throat> and it says this. We'll start, yeah, we'll just go Romans 5.17. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, speaking of Adam, which more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is a word picture going all the way back to the garden going all the way back to the, the original Genesis text. Um, Paul is doing a great job at, at, at bringing everything under this. The way that we reign in life is because we were introduced to the gospel, to Jesus, that then restored all things. It restored your identity. But the way we reign is not like the way we think of a lot of kings and queens reigning, which is control, which is put under, put under their foot, um, which is an authority figure that says, you you do everything I say. The way we reign is exactly the way Jesus reigned. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. I came with a towel over my arm to be a mother, to be a father, to be a discipler. He was the rabbi, the great teacher, the one that, that it, it, it was, you know, said of that um, life itself he was the originator of life himself and he decided to come as a man, as a human, as, as, as one that set his um, divinity aside, his godlikeness, and came and lived a perfect life so you and I might be forgiven of sin so we could be restored to our original design which is to rule and reign that doesn't look like lording over people. It doesn't look like colonialism. It doesn't look like any of that garbage. It looks like coming under. And if you want to look at true spiritual authority, which I was sad we didn't get to, it's in Ephesians 5 where it's talking about a husband and wife and the husband is not lording over the wife. The husband's role is to be like Jesus, one that loves, one that lifts up, one that comes underneath to serve. This is what reigning in life looks like, guys. It's serving your families. 
It's being a discipler. It's being one that has a confidence as a mother and father to bring the gospel of the kingdom. And this is so beautiful. So we are all called to reign in life in wherever your sphere of influence is. Whatever you, you, you do, whoever you do it around, you're called to bring this message of reigning and ruling to actually build up. This is why at the end of the book, it's all about cities. It's all about the gospel of the kingdom coming and cities being saved and brought in to King Jesus. And this is our mandate. We want to see cities saved, guys. And I just um, kind of wanted you to stand up here. I, I, I do feel like there's this commissioning of mothers and fathers. I said this a couple months back when I preached. I said, the world, we don't need billions of prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. We don't need billions of them. We do need them. We need healthy authority that comes to serve and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What we need is billions of fathers and mothers who bring this message of the gospel in the kingdom to a generation. Your job is to disciple individuals and nations. It's both. That's your job. You are a discipler. And some of us have regulated that to everybody else, whether they're on the stage or somebody else. No, you, this is, this is, this is the job of every believing believer. So if you could, just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. More than anything, Father, I just ask that you would release this reigning in life army that serves, that doesn't come to be served, that doesn't come to, to I have to be the head of everything. No, that comes with the same heart as you, Jesus, which is to serve, to, unger, to undergird, to bring healthy truth to not be um, afraid, to have truth, to have clear yeses and nos, but one that is encompassed with the greatest message that you ever brought, which is, I love you. I love you. I pray that we'd have a community that would release the I love yous to sons and daughters, that would release the I love you to the lost, that would release... Um, you are accepted before you are cleaned up. That's the nature of the gospel. That's how scandalous this gospel is, is you are loved before you are cleaned up. So we just thank you that justification precedes everything, and then we get to grow in sanctification. We get to grow from glory to glory as mothers and fathers of the faith. And I just release this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.